From the hallowed hallways of Shed High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. Welcome, dear students, to the Round the World University of the Airwaves. Today's lecture beams out to you from the faculty lounge of the Department of Psychology. And we are indeed pleased and fortunate to have as our lecturer the esteemed Professor Beryl Kegley. Welcome, Professor. Uh, thank you, Crackle and Jane, and uh, welcome to all the eager and aspiring students I can see through the radioscope. Uh, some of you still need to grab a notebook and the writing apparatus. Today we hope to throw some light on the concept of the sense of self. The mask we wear in front of others. How we view ourselves. Who am I? And what defense mechanisms we engage in to maintain and justify this view of ourselves. And to illustrate each of the concepts Professor Kegley will be discussing, we are sitting right here in front of the faculty jukebox. So Professor Kegley will introduce a psychological concept such as a defense mechanism, and I will find a 78 RPM recording that provides a concrete illustration. So let's get started. Uh, we will start with the concept of rationalization, which is an attempt to find logical reasons for one's impulsive behaviors. All right, uh, Joe Venuti has some instinctual impulses he wants to justify. Here he is in 1930. I am only human after all. to do are just the things I've got to do for I am only human after all tell me is it wrong to touch the skin I simply long to touch when I am only human after all I'm losing time for I'm platonic with you it's chronic with you I fear I'd rather be completely smothered by you than mothered by you my dear Talk is heavenly for two, but I want TNT for two, for I am only human after all.
songs illustrating the psychological defense mechanism of rationalization. First, Giovanuti rationalized his libido as being only human. His 1930 New Yorkers backed up his claim. Then we heard from Frank Luther with his 1929 hi-hatters rationalizing that it's okay to live in a fantasy world because everybody does it. That was I'm a dreamer, aren't we all? Yes, those were good examples. Now let's move on to the concept of overcompensation, in which people overachieve in one area to compensate for shortcomings in another. For instance, someone who grows up poor, working twice as hard to attain and display wealth. Alrighty, let's have a look at Mr. Jukebox here. Aha! Vaudeville comedian Cal Stewart will now play the role of Uncle Josh from way down east in this 1907 recording, I'm old, but I'm awfully tough. I'm a jolly old fellow, way back in New England, where apples and peaches and pumpkins do grow. Where the girls, they are handsome, the boys, they are likewise. The same I would have you to know. I came to your city, your sight wanted me. The town and the great Union Square. I came to ride on your lacrosse street cars and wink at your pretty girls. But I'm old, but I'm awfully tough. <laughs> old, but I'm awfully tough. And the girls of you say, Uncle Joy, shall wait. You're old, but 
Talk about your colleges, fair Harvard and old Yale, and all the universities whose banners brave the gale, and all the football heroes, their glory and renown. I never went to college, but I know I've been to town. I may not be a football hero, but I'm a star with the beautiful girl. You never see me in the thick of a fight. Cause I do my scoring mostly at night I never tackle any dummies I've played the best from near and far No, I ain't, no, I'm not a football hero But I'm a bear in a lady's boudoir They play football on the gridiron Where the ground is rough and hard I do my playing on a divan The ladies all say I'm a triple threat man I never have to call for time out For I'm always up to par Oh, I ain't, no, I'm not a football hero But I'm a bear in a lady's boudoir I never fought for Alma Mater Because she never fought for me the boys win a letter for not playing rough. I should get an alphabet for doing my stuff. I'm pretty good at center rushing. That's the place I really star. Oh, I may not be, I'm not a football hero, but I'm a dog in a lady's boudoir. One time I swung into action. I was rewarded with wild acclaim. The captain said to me, you're just a little runt. 
As long as you've been playing, you've never touched a punt. When I removed my interference, the goal was not so very far. Oh, I ain't, I'm not, I'm not a football hero. But I'm a lady in a little lady's boudoir. Lots of folks have told me I was poor before I got right. A winter apple picked off in the fall. But even as a young and I was not the bashful type. Cause I could yell the loudest of them all. I'm little, but I'm loud. I'm poor, but I'm proud. I'm countryfied, and I don't care who knows it. I'm like a baby rooster in a big red rooster crowd. I'm puny, short, and little, but I'm loud. Little Jimmy Dickens from 1950, overcompensating for his size with I'm little, but I'm loud. Before him, Cliff Edwards overcompensated for his lack of athletic prowess in football by making the 1933 claim, I'm a bear in the ladies' boudoir. And we started our three examples with Cal Stewart, who overcompensated for his advanced age in I'm old, but I'm awfully tough a 1907 recording of his vaudeville act. Cal Stewart was a friend of Mark Twain, by the way, and he'd be really old by now. 166 years old by my calculation. Thank you for those three illustrations of overcompensation in which people overachieve in one area to compensate for shortcomings in another. If you're late for class, you've tuned into the Round the World University of the Air. Professor Beryl Kegley, eminent professor of psychology, is discussing defense mechanisms. We discussed rationalization and overcompensation. So uh, what's next, Professor? Well, let's take a look at denial, which involves ignoring the reality of a situation 
For example, claiming you actually like being in a miserable situation because it allows you to live your life on your own terms. Or your argumentative aunt who has liver trouble and who chugs tumblers of red wine because, quote, it's good for the heart. Well, I'm, I think we have just the recording we want here in the jukebox. Hobo Jack Turner with the 1930, I'm glad I'm a bum. I'm glad I'm a bum, a bummy bum bum. I'm ragged but happy, I'm glad I'm a bum. Some folks have millions that give them the blues But I'm always broke so there's nothing to lose They go to the country to have a good time I'm there every day and it don't cost a dime Now you may have lobster and swell fancy cake But get indigestion with each bite you take While I don't eat regular that's one thing I know But I get a handout wherever I go So I'm glad I'm a bum, a bummy bum bum I'm ragged but happy, I'm glad I'm a bum You may go out riding in your limousine And talk about all the swell sights that you've seen But I'll do my traveling cause walking's no sin And there ain't no place where this hobo ain't been They call me a hobo and say I'm a bum But you gotta admit now that I ain't so dumb And where you leave off, that's where I commence You got the dollars, but I've got the cents I'm glad I'm a bum, a bummy bum bum I'm ragged but happy, I'm glad I'm a bum Now I like a drink of well water, it's true But if there's no water, then liquor will do I just walk along while I whistle a tune And the best friend I've got is the man in the moon All of my life now I've been slamming gates Counting the ties I've been hopping freight Got no swell home but I'm happy you see Where I hang my hat is home sweet home to me I'm glad I'm a bum, a bummy bum bum I'm ragged but happy I'm glad I'm a bum You may have music that you think is fine But none of that up-to-date music for mine Just give me the butt of a ten-cent cigar An old-fashioned tune and my trusty guitar I don't like the city, I don't like the lights Right out in the country there's plenty of sights You can have all of your women divine The birds and the bees are all sweethearts of mine So I'm glad I'm a bum a bummy bum bum, I'm ragged but happy, I'm glad I'm a bum. That was Hobo Jack Turner in 1930. I'm glad I'm a bum. An example of the psychological defense mechanism of denial. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, what's next, Professor? Well? Oh, and by the way, this is Professor Kegley's psychology lecture on sense of self. We're looking at a few defense mechanisms. Yes. Everyone has a scheme of who they themselves are 
and will employ various defense mechanisms to maintain the status quo for themselves. Next, we look at some instances of using grandiosity and exaggeration to puff up one's importance. All right, hang on here. Uh, let's take a quick look here at the jukebox here in the uh, psychology department of the uh, Around the World University. Aha! Duke Henderson claims he has godlike control over others. And he'll be assisted by the King Perry Orchestra. Here's the 1947 I Am the Blues. Thank you. 
πάντα το προσκεφαλό με δάκρυα το βρέχει και εγώ με και εγώ με και ποιος θα με νιώσει και εγώ με και εγώ με ποιος θα με Exaggeration from a Mr. Sousakis and the popular orchestra from Greece. He declares that he is burning, he's burning. Kaigome, Kaigome. Before him, we heard the inflated self importance of Duke Henderson, who said people should bow down before him and beg because, quote, I am the blues. He was abetted by the King Perry Orchestra in 1947. Yes, yes, Mr. Henderson exhibits a complete denial of his state of inadequacy through a grandiose belief of his omnipotence. Yeah, and he's quite full of himself, too. Now, another defense mechanism to cope with one's inadequacies is to have a victim mentality, constantly blaming other people or situations for the events in their lives. The healthier approach is to look at the things you can do to remedy the situation and do something about it. Yes, and we have examples of both victim mentality and how to stop being a victim right here in the faculty lounge jukebox. Fiusch Finkel complains that his wife, who runs a boarding house, treats the boarders better than she treats him. Ich bin a boarder by mein Weib. I am my wife's boarder. He's accompanied by Abe Schwartz and his 1947 orchestra. (laughs) ¶¶ 
mighty soon, and here am I, broken hearted. The last time that we said goodbye, I knew that she was through. It's bad enough that I lost her, I had to lose him too. And there they go, in their joy, happy girl, lucky boy, and here am I, broken loneliness because I know we're through when you said you'd leave me I had a wary mind but you'll never grieve me cause I don't like your kind oh yes I'm lonely I know I'm gonna be lonelier I know I'm gonna be lonelier from now on oh yes I'm lonely no, my life won't be the same Cause I don't have you to claim, honey But I don't care if you don't mind Loneliness I'll thrive on Go your way and I'll go mine Starting now I'm long gone Oh yes, I'm lonely I know I'm gonna be lonelier I know I'm gonna be lonelier from now on
we heard a triumvirate of martyrs and sufferers, starting with Fuchs Finkel with Abe Schwartz in his orchestra from 1947, the Yiddish I am my wife's border. This was followed by the 1927 bellyaching of Irving Kaufman with Sam Lannan's dance orchestra, Here I Am Brokenhearted. But Guy Blakeman and his bluegrass serenaders has decided to break out of the victim mentality and move on and take control of his life. Oh yes, I am lonely from 1950. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is the Round the World University of the Airwaves. Professor Kegley's psychology lecture on the sense of self. I want to take a side trip away from defense mechanisms for the moment and touch on the sense of self related to affiliation and belonging. Oh, okay, let's see what Mr. Jukebox... Uh, yes, we have a couple songs to illustrate this for our radio students. Two singers, each claiming to be Mexican. The first is an actual Mexican, Jorge Negrete, and the second is a Danish wannabe, Carl Fisher. Here is Jorge Negrete con el Mariachi Vargas with the 1954 Yo Soy Soy mexicano, mi tierra es bravía, palabra de macho que no hay otra tierra más linda y más brava que la tierra mía. Yo soy mexicano y orgullo lo tengo, nací despreciando la vida y la muerte, y si he hecho bravata. También la sostengo. Mi orgullo es ser charro, valiente y bragao, traer mi sombrero con plata bordado, que nadie me diga que soy un rajá. mi caballo en pelo montado pero más que todo ser enamorado yo soy mexicano muy atravesado Soy mexicano, por suerte mía, la vida querido que por todas partes se me reconozca por mi valentía. Yo soy mexicano, de Naiden me pido, y como Cuauhtémoc cuando estoy sufriendo, Antes que rajarme, me aguanto y me río. 
le gusta el sombrero echado de la O la que tenga cacha de penao, fumar en hojita, tabaco picado. Jugar a los gallos, saber mi afama, pero más que todo ser enamorado. Yo soy mexicano. Two songs of affiliation and belonging. We heard first Jorge Negrete con el Mariachi Vargas, Yo Soy Mexicano, from 1954. And this was followed by a 1939 Mexican wannabe, the Danish Carl Fischer, Med Anker Scholborg's Dance Orchester, Yay Ar Mexico Kakika Kukakaner. Yes, and as I look through the radioscope, I can see Johnny and Wade and Mary Ellen. 
and Xavier and Cookie furiously scribbling their notes and looking thoughtful. And I see Roger and Diana and Liz and Sean. Uh, what's next, Professor? And, oh, my my notes. Okay, we, we covered the defense mechanisms of rationalization, overcompensation, denial, grandiosity, victim mentality. Uh, oh, let's talk about uh, the negative self-talk, which is any inner dialogue you have with yourself that may be limiting your ability to believe in yourself and your own abilities and to reach your potential. It's important to remember that these negative thought patterns are not useful and do not always reflect reality. Don't say unkind things to yourself that you would never say to someone else. Good. Let's listen to an example. Here is the 1931 Savoy Hotel Orpheans. Who am I?
1931 Who Am I? That was the Savoy Hotel Orpheans, an example of negative self-talk. Yes, and if you catch yourself saying, I'll never be able to do X, put a stop to it. Envision a stop sign, for example, and replace the thought with, it might be challenging to do X. All right, and I think we can replace that self-limiting talk with some optimistic, aspirational self-talk. Here's a double header of the 1935, I think I can, starting with Jack Buchanan. I read Casanova a dozen times over and friend. The way of a lover I cannot discover as yet. Though dozens of ladies consign me to Hades and a wife. Like the girl in the Yashmak who wanted a cashback, I'm shy. I've got to change my style. I've got to learn to smile and love a little while. I think I can. And like some night of old, I must be brave and bold. Just watch me knock and cold. I think I can. And then I'll join the sporty fellows Turn days into nights Sing to muted cellos And switch off lights With widows, maids and wives We'll soon see who survives I've got to live two lives I think I can I've got to treat them rough And learn to do my stuff And make them cry enough I think I can And then I'll never fear or falter Here I make a vow I shall learn to alter And show them how I'll hear the voice of spring And then I'll learn to sing and make them call me Bing. I think I can.
change my style I've got to learn to smile And love a little while I think I can I've got to treat them rough And learn to do my stuff And make them cry enough I think I can And then I'll never feel or falter Here I make my vow I shall learn to alter And show them how I'll hear the voice of spring And then I'll learn to sing And make them call me Bing I think I can Double dose of optimistic self-talk. I think I can. That was Jack Jackson and his orchestra at the Dorchester Hotel in London, which was preceded by Jack Buchanan. Both of those renditions from 1935. And thus ends another stimulating lecture from the Round the World University of the Airways. We would like to thank psychology professor Beryl Kegley for sharing her expertise this hour. It was my extreme pleasure. And I'm not just rationalizing or in denial. I wish the best to you students. Thank you, Professor. We also studied the concepts of overcompensation, victim mentality, negative self-talk, grandiosity, and the sense of self. Please head over to cracklinjane.com for your certificates of completion. We pause now for station identification. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. And welcome to Hour 2 of Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. As long as we're on the topic of psychology, here's a 1949 episode of The Saint, starring Vincent Price and called The Schizophrenic Psychiatrist. So let's listen. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes to radio starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as The Saint. Well, hello. Who is... Oh. <laughs> How is my favorite shipboard acquaintance this evening? Oh, Simon, you, you startled me. I can hardly see you through the fog here on deck. Oh, yes, it is getting thicker, isn't it? <laughs> but I suppose it's to be expected. Last night, nature went on a binge of moonshine, and this is her foggy morning after. <laughs> Only it's evening. How can you tell through the fog? <laughs> you know, you have a very pretty laugh, Barbara. I'll listen for it in all of your pictures from now on. Thank you, Simon. But I'm... I'm not going to make any more pictures. I'm, I'm retiring. Retiring? At the peak of your career? I'm just tired of pictures, that's all. Barbara, 
You'll never be able to run away from it. What do you mean? I'm referring to whatever it is that frightens you. Why don't you tell me about it, Barbara? There's nothing to tell. I'm I'm tired. I, I need a rest. Please, Simon, don't make me talk about it. There's some things that... Simon, is that someone standing there? No. No, I don't see anyone. Oh, you are nervous. Oh, Simon, if only I could confide in someone, if I could tell you what I... Perhaps I already know more than you think I do. You're cold. Yes. Where's your wrap? It's over there someplace in one of those decks. <laughs> I'll find it. I don't see it here, Barbara. Are you sure you... Barbara! Behind you! Look out! Barbara! Barbara! Man overboard! Man overboard! Maybe you'd like a swim too, Saint. What? Remember who you are, Dr. Norman? It, it is Dr. Norman, the celebrated psychiatrist, isn't it? Yeah, that is very good, Templar, but I'm afraid I must still confine you here to the ship's infirmary for a while. Huh? A possible concussion, you know. See, tell me what makes a famous neurologist like you pose as a mere ship's doctor. Oh, I'm really not posing. Uh, Partridge, the ship's physician, is ill. Oh. I was within earshot when I heard the familiar call, is there a doctor in the house and... Huh? Uh, no, Simon, don't try to get up. I have a flask here. If a drink will make you happy. Oh, not right now, thank you. I recall I have some unfinished business to attend to. Barbara? Yes. Was she? They couldn't find her in the fog. She's oh, gone. Poor Barbara. Yes, it was a horrible accident. Horrible, yes. Accident, no. You mean to say she didn't fall overboard? She was murdered. Murdered? But who? I think I know who. Ooh, my head is... Like the Aberdeen Proving Ground. I will mix you a sedative. You know, you're not looking very well. I always look like this when I'm angry. There's only one cure. Yes, I know. The lady with the scales known as Madame Justice. You know, Templar, I've been curious about uh, what makes a man like you tick. Well, I'll tell you. Every eight days or so, someone winds me up. Right now, I'm wound up tight. Tight with fury. Well, as a psychiatrist, I would advise you to unwind a bit. Ah, here we are. Now drink this. It will put you to sleep after a while. Oh, thank you. You say you think you know who killed Barbara, Simon. I was wrong. I do know. Well, I think you ought to talk to me. Unwind yourself. Well, you think I need psychiatry, Doctor? Well, I think you're too taut at the moment. That plus your concussion, it might be dangerous. Very well, Doctor. I'll unwind. I'll tell you the entire story. If you don't mind, Simon, here, this will help the rhythm. Huh? The metronome. Psychiatrists often use it. But, uh, Ross, No, no, I don't mind. I'd never met Barbara Brooks, although I doubt if there's a human being alive who hasn't heard of her or seen her in the movies. I first saw her the day we boarded ship. There was something in her expression, in the way she walked and talked and smiled, that immediately told me here was someone I should know. Her entire demeanor was an attitude of invitation. A romance. Fear, Doctor. She was a frightened lady. 
She wanted someone near her. I walked over to her there on deck and immediately made myself useful. Her steward evidently had become busy elsewhere, so I tipped my hat and said somewhat idiotically, um, Get your program here, lady. You can't tell the staterooms without the numbers. I beg your pardon. Your steward seems to have deserted you. Oh. I've sailed this scow before, so if it's the direction to your stateroom you're looking well, for... Well, I would like to know. Hmm, I would, too. Uh, number, please. A36, main deck. Thank you very, very much. It's this way. My, uh, my name's Templer. Simon, for short. Mm. And, of course, you're Barbara Brooks. You know, uh, we passed the bar en route to A36, main deck. Does an old-fashioned with a new acquaintance sound inviting? It will, a little later after... It's here on the ship. Ooh, there's several... I... Oh, that's big. You're gone now, in the corner. I think I saw the man you meant. Certain off-center gentleman named Raider. Raider? I, I don't know that name. No, surely you've heard of Phil Raider. He's just as big a star in his line of work as you are in yours. What? What is his line of work? Well, he's, uh, he's an exterminator of human beings. Mr. Tinker, I'm afraid. Well, that was obvious from the moment I first saw you. Why don't you tell me about it? No, I can't. No, I, I'd be killed. Good a reason as any for not telling me, but I must warn you, I have a peculiar talent for finding things out for myself. Oh, no, you mustn't do anything. Please, please. Hello, Raider. Well, Miss Saint. Mm-hmm. World's getting smaller. Yes. Yes, but I understand you're doing your share to see that it doesn't get overcrowded. Uh, traveling for your health again, or just traveling? Just traveling. Raider, why does the mere glimpse of you rounding a corner start a lady's teeth to chattering? Lady? I don't know any ladies. Obviously. Maybe she thought I was someone else. Maybe. And if you're of a mind to annoy her, you'll wish you were. Look, Saint, just soak up sunshine on this cruise. Don't go poking in any dark places. Might be bad for you. Oh, what sort of bad, Raider? Look, big shot, just so there's no misunderstanding. You butt in where you ain't welcome on this cruise and... Yes? And I'll kill you. How is your head, Simon? It feels as if a regimental crap game was going on inside of it with jet-propelled dice. You haven't drunk your sedative yet. Here. Oh, thank you. Uh, shall I go on taking the load off of my concussion? Yes, by all means. I think I was present at the next sequence. Yes, sir. Doctor, you were. It was the night of that ridiculous costume ball ship's captains are so fond of arranging. Yes. I remember. We were at the bar together. You were a pirate, I recall. Yes, and you were a clown. The ball was loaded with clowns, some of them not even aware of their clownishness. But it was gay and sprightly, and the music was good. I remember our conversation, Doctor. You suddenly appeared at my elbow and said in the most shivery, sinister manner... You know, Templar, I have a confession to make to you. Well, I'm always interested in confessions, Doctor. I've had a schoolboy crush on the beautiful Barbara ever since I saw her in pictures first. <laughs> uh, tell me, what does one do about it? Well, I know exactly what I would do if I were you, Doctor. Yes. I'd consult the nearest psychiatrist. <laughs> At the prices we charge? No, thanks. <laughs> I was hoping you'd cut a fellow in on your acquaintanceship, Templar. But uh, if you won't introduce me, uh, won't you at least show me which mask she's hiding under? 
I think I might be able to make my own introduction. Oh, very well, Doctor. Look for a sylph-like figure in a blue and yellow harlequin costume. Ah, uh, thank you, Templar, thank you. And if you should ever need a good psychiatrist... At the prices you charge? <laughs> I will be seeing you. Don't turn around, Mr. Huh? Templer. I have a pistol in the small of your back. Well, now, really, is that any way to enjoy a walk? Listen, Saint, and listen hard. Oh, I'm all ears, except for the small of my back, which feels abnormally large at the moment. Certain arrangements have been made, Saint. It means a big head of lettuce if they go through. So? All the signs say keep out. See that you do. Now, don't turn around. Huh? This costume's so pretty, I'd hate to have to put a hole through my pocket. Well, it's probably just a coincidence, but I've acquired the same regard for the small of my back. Keep regarding it that way, Saint. Don't let your nose wander where it doesn't belong. And you might begin by forgetting you saw certain people aboard this boat. See, uh, just tell me how you're going to swing it, Mrs. Miller. Oh, don't be surprised. I'd recognize the notorious Lil Miller's voice on a party line. How are you going to take him, Lil? A palm base or... Or perhaps a marked deck. This rod has a hair trigger, Saint. Just a touch and you're... <laughs> Lil, Lil, what's the matter? That girl there, the one in the hall. Lil, Lil. You're... Lil. You're lucky, Saint. I... I'd have shot. Give her air. Give her air. Don't crowd. Crowd her all you want to. She won't mind now. Is she? Yes, a stiletto in the back leaves very little doubt. She's dead. <laughs> No, Simon, I would never have paid the late Mrs. Miller for a professional card shop. She was anything but the type. Professional card shops are always anything but the type, Doctor. Yeah. And to think I actually played bridge with her myself, with a crook and a hot-headed one at that. Well, as my old grandmother used to say, Doctor, beware of lady thieves with red hair. <laughs> I guess the lady's red hair accounted for the lack of insulation in her temperament. Oh, how does your head feel, Simon? Better, Doctor. Much better. You still haven't touched your sedative, you know. Oh, haven't I? Uh, I think you'll find that it helps, Simon. Here. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, shortly after the murder of Mrs. Miller, Doctor, I called on her bereaved husband and uh, partner in crime. A very interesting visit it was, too. You have the knack for making all of your visits interesting, Simon. Tell me about it. Well, I found Miller in the bar, quenching his sorrow with the merry waters of the River of Forgetfulness. <laughs> Fifty grand in the palm of our hands and beep. No more Lil. No more Lil, no more sucker. No more sucker, beep. No more fifty grand. Oh, I see you valued your wife highly. Uh, who, who was the sucker, Miller? Ha-ha. <laughs> You're funny. Uh, tell me, what's Phil Raider cruising for, Miller? And uh, don't tell me it's a coincidence he's on board the same ship. You get funnier and funnier. Why is Barbara Brooks so afraid of Raider? You ain't even warm, Saint. You're a mile wide of the target. Uh, well, I'd better use a different kind of ammunition then, Miller. Yeah? Like what? Like a little murder performed on an unwilling sucker in Reno. Huh? What do you know about that? You won't like going back to Reno, Miller. It gets hot in the summertime, especially in the penitentiary. Well, uh, Raider was with Lil and me on this deal. All he right, did... Miller, put the zipper on. Uh, Raider, well, I wasn't going to say anything. Phil, honest, I was just... Skip ta- it, Miller. I always knew someday you'd show Canary Yellow. I thought you and I had a little understanding, Saint. Well, you've got a reputation for wrong thoughts, Raider. Yeah, but right or wrong, I back my ideas up to the hilt, Saint. Keep that frog sticker undercover, Raider, or I might take it away from you. And the Dutch courage that rides with it, too. I'll keep it hidden for now. 
You just be careful of the places where the lights don't shine, Saint. Come on, Miller. I want to talk with you. Well, I'll be out in a little while, Phil. I, I want a drink. You're I'll... drunk enough, Canary. Come on. You'd better go, Miller. And if you can't talk your way out of it, my regards to the fishes. I recall it was shortly after Mr. Rader passed on his second warning that you and I met for the first time professionally. Yes, Doctor, the very next night. <laughs> well, I am very surprised at you. He had warned you to stay away from Doc Plater. <laughs> yes, Doctor, so he had. But I'm perverse by nature, and I like to poke around. I was strolling around the deck with Barbara, getting moonburned and trying desperately to get some more information. So wonderful having you near, Simon. I feel safe. Safe? I refuse to accept the compliment, particularly on a moonlit night at sea. I'm referring to danger, Simon, not romance. They're often the very same thing. I'd like to join the team, Barbara. Why don't you confide in me? Because if I did, we'd both be dead by morning. I must go now. Good night, Simon. Good night. Don't turn around, Templar. I've got a... I know... A gun pointed at the small of my back. That's it. Now keep away from Barbara Brooks. Am I clear? Clear enough. Anything else? Yeah. Just so it sinks in, Saint. Take this along to remember me by. Once again, you enter the picture, Dr. Norman... You found me there, lying on the deck, basking in moonlight. And blood. Uh, go on, Simon. Tell me the rest of it. Well, after your neat job of vulcanizing me, thus saving me a trip to the ship's doctor and innumerable words of explanation, I hit upon a strategy, and my next visit found me calling in the lion's den. I tell you, you're being made a patsy, Raider. You're on the verge of being demoted back to second-class hoodlum. I can take care of myself. Well, I admit a minor sandbagging committed in your good name doesn't amount to much, Raider. But what if the same someone likes your name and decides to use it in uh, other ways? What do you mean? I mean murder. You're a lead-pipe cinch to pay for one of your own someday, Raider. But meanwhile, how would you feel getting hung for somebody else's shenanigans? I'd be annoyed. You sure would. Look, I'm not rigged up with no murder saint. Lil meant 50 grand to us alive. That's what we figured the sucker was good for. Uh -huh. That's a good enough reason for wanting Lil among the present instead of the late, Raider. Uh, tell me, what was the angle? Blackmail? Nah, nah, nothing so crude, saint. I sponsor the party, spot him, finger him, and oil him, and the millers squeeze him through a deck of cards. Huh? The guy's a sucker for good-looking dames and card games, that's all. That sounds very uncomplicated, easy picking. The guy ain't had the coin long enough to be smart about it. Who's the guy? Yeah, he makes water heaters. <laughs> the fat man with the diamonds from Passage. Yeah, that's the sucker. <laughs> I should have tumbled. Looks like you did. I thought you were out for a bust-up. 50 G's a lot of money, Saint. I figured if I could scare you, it'd be insurance. How about uh, Barbara Brooks? Ah, deal me out. I'm not in on whatever the caper is there. She saw you the day we sailed, and she got scared. Well, maybe it's because I ain't exactly pretty. Yeah. But if you really want to know something, Saint, I'll tell you. I was propositioned on a stunt against that dame a few weeks before we sailed. I turned it down. A big dough, too. A murder deal? Yeah, a big dough to bump her off. Not for me, though. Nah, she's too prominent. Too much heat on those jobs. Who made the offer, Raider? He wasn't exactly interested in leaving his calling card, Saint. 
Just a John Smith, as far as I'm concerned. But he had a description, didn't he? Everybody has a description. Oh, sure, sure. He was a medium-sized guy with... Hey, the lights. Who turned them off? Get Get down! Ah! Raider! Raider! Raider, are you... Brown. Brown tie. Blue shirt. Brown tie. Blue shirt. Brown tie. Blue shirt. Uh, Not a very harmonious color scheme, is it? He... Your last earthly utterance was in the direction of good. Thank you. Brown tie, blue shirt. What did he mean, Simon? Well, it means that either the man for whom I search isn't a very fastidious dresser, doctor, or else... Or else? Or else he's colorblind. Blue and brown just aren't worn together. Well, no, Uh, I'll take that drink now, Doctor. Oh, and the sedative I mixed for you. Your concussion. Later, Doctor, later. Very well. I can see that you're going to be a very difficult patient. I hope you don't mind drinking out of another medicine glass, huh? No, right now I prefer. Say when? A little more, Doctor. That's fine. Has such a beautiful color, hasn't it, Doctor? Yeah, hasn't it, though? Aren't you going to drink it, Simon? In a moment, Doctor, when I finish my story. Oh, yes, of course, this story. Uh, Barbara's murder was next. Yes, huh? Barbara was next. But immediately before our last meeting on deck in the fog, Doctor, I found out what she was afraid of. You did? But how? It was easy. The steward had some keys. I had some money. The steward has enough now for that chicken ranch he's always dreamed of. You broke into Barbara's stateroom. <laughs> yes. Well, what did you find, Simon? Oh, lingerie, perfume, stockings, and some letters, Doctor. Peculiar letters. Huh? Fan me? Yes. Yes, and all from the same fan. A fan she was once engaged to marry, Doctor. A fan who loved her very much and hated her in equal proportions. Who was so torn between love and hate, he had to kill her. Ah, it's schizophrenic. You should know. What do you mean? Well, you know the classifications. You're the doctor. Oh. <laughs> Drink your sedative, Simon. A colorblind schizophrenic. I don't believe I've ever met one before, Dr. Norman. So colorblind, he mistook the green and orange harlequin costume worn by Lil Miller for the blue and yellow one worn by Barbara. That is very interesting, Simon. Poor Lil. If she'd come to the ball as anything but a harlequin, she'd have lived to take in $50,000. Your sedative, Simon. You know, you were wrong about Lil's hair, Doctor. It wasn't red. It was brown. <laughs> you said it was red. I wanted to see if you'd agree. Uh, your sedative. Yes, of course. Hand it to me, would you, Doctor? They're alongside the drink. Yeah. No, no, don't try to tell them apart by their aromas, Doctor. It's obvious that they're different colors. Or can't you tell? You find it, Saint. I'd like very much for you to drink it. My doctor, what a pretty purple gun you're wearing. Or is it pink? Drink up, Templar. You hardly feel it. It's just a dash of prussic acid. Uh, doctor Norman, when you give a sedative, you go overboard. Drink it, Templar. Well, you're the doctor. A toast to you, Dr. Norman. To your green shirt, blue tie, and gray handkerchief. None of which match. Here's how... It was a question of your eyes or my stomach, Doctor. My eyes, I'm blind. You'll get over it, Doctor, which is more than can be said of me if one of those wild shots of yours should hit me. 
I know I shouldn't practice medicine without a license, uh, Doctor, any more than you should. But um, here's a sedative from me to you. <sighs> Pleasant nightmares, Dr. Norman. listening to another adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. And now here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, in a prejudice-filled America, no one would be secure in his job, his business, his church, or his home. Yet racial and religious antagonisms are exploited daily by quacks and adventurers whose followers make up the irresponsible lunatic fringe of American life refuse to listen to or spread rumors against any race or religion, help to stamp out prejudice in our country. Let's judge our neighbors by the character of their lives alone and not on the basis of their religion or origin. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of the saint. Good night. Michael Cramoy. Our cast included Betty Lou Gerson, Jean Bates, Frank Gerstel, Bill Conrad, and Barney Phillips. The music was composed and conducted by Harry Zimmerman. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Safier production and is directed by Thomas A. McAvity. Vincent Price is soon to be seen in Harry M. Popkins' production of Champagne for Caesar, co-starring Ronald Coleman. All you Saint fans will be glad to know that the Saint comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer, Merrill Ross. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1949 episode of The Saint, entitled The Schizophrenic Psychiatrist. Now, speaking of psychological pathology... Stay tuned for a 1956 episode of X-1, entitled Bad Medicine. Countdown for blastoff. X-5, 4, 3, 2, X-1, fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, presents X minus one.
tonight, Bad Medicine by Finn O'Donovan. On May 2nd, 2103, Elwood Caswell walked rapidly down Broadway. It was a gentle, misty spring day, and the air held the smell of rain and blossoming trees. But Elwood Caswell didn't smell the rain and the trees. He just gripped the loaded gun he had in his pocket. He didn't want to use the weapon, but he was certain that he would. This was justifiable. You see, Elwood Caswell was a homicidal maniac. Why shouldn't I kill him? Hey, look out, will you? Oh, sorry, sir. Only the other day he said to me, Elwood, you're looking very well. What business is it of his how I look? Hey there, Elwood. Elwood. Huh? It's me, Marty Klein. I work on the jet buses with you, remember? Oh, yeah, of course. Hello, Marty. Uh, forgive me, my mind was, uh, was on other things. Yeah, I know how it is. A couple of weeks ago, I was walking around in a fog so thick you could cut it. Yeah, really? Sure. Preoccupied, you know. I had this idea in my mind. You too? Yeah. The same person? Huh? Were you troubled by the same person? My wife. Hey, you okay? Oh, 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 yeah. Yes, yes, of course. Well, I had this idea, see. I was going to get rid of my wife. Kill her? Kill her? I mean, send her to a country for a week. Oh. You sure you ain't sick? No, I never felt better. Well, well, anyway, I was going to take a week off. Quit the jet buses. Hey, can you imagine? I've been a jet bus operator for ten years now, and all of a sudden, I feel like I, I can't take it for another minute. I know how you feel. And I was going to take a trip all by myself. A trip? To where? To the farthest place I could think, to Mars. I was just going to pick up and take a vacation to Mars. Silly, huh? I don't know. What happened? Well, I talked it over with Ethel. Your wife? Yeah. Ethel, she's a real sensible girl. You know what she did? No, am I supposed to? Ethel went right down to that uh, home therapy appliance store, and she says, you got a home therapy machine that'll cure my husband of uh, this idea he can't stay on the jet buses? I've heard that those machines aren't perfected. They got him licked now. So, okay, she describes the trouble, and next day they deliver this thing, and, and boom, I plug it in, see? And, and? And a voice talks to me. It starts asking me questions. Yeah, what kind of questions? All kinds. Things I, I won't even tell my own mother. You told the machine? Why not? It's only a machine. Yeah, I see your point. Well, then the machine starts to tell me a few things. And before I knew it, inside a week, I'm cured. Now, I, I can't wait to go back driving the jet buses. You don't say. So that's why I say I, I know how it is to have one thing on your mind all the time like that. This machine, what did it cost you? That's the beauty part of it. <laughs> By Ethel. Boy, she's a smart girl. After a week, she sends it back, see? She says it don't work. So all we lose is the deposit. I see. Well, I got to go back to work now. Hey, ain't you working the jet buses today? Huh? No, I'm off today. Well, I'll see you, Elwood. Yeah, see you, Marty. Uh, what was the name of that place? Where they sell the home therapy machines. Yeah. Uh, home therapy appliances. It's right down Broadway, about two blocks from here. So long, Elwood. Perspiring freely, Elwood Caswell continued down Broadway toward 43rd Street. His friend Magnuson would be finishing work soon, returning to his apartment less than a block from Caswell's. Elwood gripped the gun tighter. How pleasant it would be to saunter in, exchange a word with him, and then... No. No, I won't do it. 
I don't really want to kill anybody. It isn't right. Think what'll happen. The authorities will lock me up. My friends won't understand, and... Mother. Mother would never approve. Still, if I see Magnuson... If I see his hateful, accusing face in front of me... Oh, this must be the store. Yeah. Home therapy appliances. Good afternoon, sir. Can I show you some of our home therapy appliances? I, I want therapy. Quick. Of course, sir. This way, please. Now then, this is our new alcoholic reliever built by International Combustion Motors and advertised in leading magazines. A handsome piece of furniture. I think you will agree and not out of place in any home. It also opens into a television set. Uh, look, what I need... A therapy, of course. I just want to point out this model need never cause embarrassment to you, your friends, or your loved ones. Notice, if you will, the recessed dial which controls the desired degree of alcoholism. You see, heavy, moderate, social, light, and <laughs> teetotal. A new feature unique in mechanotherapy. I'm not alcoholic. The New York Jet Bus Authority does not hire alcoholics. Oh, sorry. You seem the type... No offense. I... Please. You seem rather nervous. Perhaps the portable anxiety reducer. No. Well, sir, perhaps if you told me just what you feel is bothering you. What have you got for homicidal mania? I beg your pardon? Homicide. The urge to kill someone. Oh. Oh, of course. Well, let's see now. Oh, pardon uh, me. Uh, have you worked here very long? A week. Oh, yes. Here's the ticket. This black job with the chrome trim. What is it? This, sir, is a Rex regenerator. Built by Planetary Motors Corporation. Handsome, hmm? Goes with any decor, opens into a well-stocked little bar, so your family, friends, loved ones need never... Well, a pure homicidal urge, a strong one. Oh, absolutely. Don't confuse this with the little 10-amp neurosis model. This is a hefty, heavy-duty, 25-amp machine for really deep-rooted conditions. That's what I've got. Well, this baby will jolt you out of it. Big, heavy-duty thrust bearings, oversized heat absorbers, completely insulated. Sensitivity range I'll over... I'll take it. Yes, sir. With me, right now. Now? Before it's too late. I'll pay cash. Well, yes, sir. It'll be a few hours before the warehouse can... I'll take this one here. Well, that's a floor demonstrator. Does it work? All of our demonstrators work, sir. Then I'll take it. I can't wait for a warehouse. I can't wait for anything. Have it put in a taxi for me. Yes, sir. Tell them to hurry. I... I want to kill my friend Magnuson, you know. Who? My friend Magnuson. Oh, of course. That'll be $400.59, sales tax included. <laughs> After Elwood Caswell left the store, the clerk, whose name was Haskins, smiled to himself and lighted a cigarette. He had made his first sale. He inhaled. Haskins? Yes, Mr. Follinsby? Smoking, smoking. I asked you to rid yourself of that filthy habit. Immediately, Mr. Follinsby. Uh, I'll use one of the display model denicotinizers at once. By the way, I, I just made a rather good sale, sir. Oh, really? Yes, sir. One of our big Rex regenerators. Well, now, it isn't often we... Wait a minute. Where's the floor model? Well, sir, the customer was in an awful hurry. He was going to kill his friend. You and... gave him the floor model? Uh, well, yes, sir. Was there any reason why... Oh, I... grief, Haskins. Didn't I inform you we never sell a floor model? Uh, but, sir... Good heavens, I've got to get to him. What was his address? Address? His name, then. Well, he didn't say. Then his check. Well, he paid cash. You mean you just let him pick up the machine and walk out? Well, sir, he paid cash. He was homicidal, you say? Yes, sir, his friend. I don't care about his friend. Get the police. No, 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 no. Uh, call the Planetary Motor Security Division. Quick. Yes, at once. Well, well. Excuse me, Mr. Follinsby. What will I tell them? Tell them, you fool. Uh, 
Tell them that one of our customers has accidentally got that display regenerator they sent us. The one they shipped by accident. They were going to replace it tomorrow. Yes, sir, the one they shipped by accident. Will they know? If they don't be more explicit, tell them we've sold the Martian model. The one for treating psychotic Martians. Meanwhile, Elwood Caswell had returned to his apartment and lugged the big black Rex regenerator into his living room. He put it down near the couch and studied it carefully. He was right. It does go with the room. Now then, let's see those instructions. Place regenerator near a comfortable couch. All right. Plug-in machine. There. A fixed contact band to your forehead. That's all there is to it. Just turn on the machine and it will do the rest. There will be no language problem since your regenerator communicates with you by direct sensory contact, patent pending. Well, that seems easy enough. Now, I'll just put the contact on my head. And... Blast it. Hello? Elwood? Yes? This is Henry. Henry Magnuson. How are you, old boy? I'm fine. I wondered if you were doing anything tonight. Thought you might like to drop over for a game of chess. Game of chess, huh? Oh, stupid oaf. What? Nothing. I thought you called me a stupid oaf. I'm yeah, just talking <laughs> to my cat. <laughs> oh, I didn't remember you had a cat. I thought you hated cats. Oh, I do. Uh, this isn't really mine. It's a neighbor's. Uh, it keeps coming in. Oh. What about tonight? Will you be alone? You haven't mentioned to anyone that you're inviting me over? Not a soul. Why? Someone's looking for me, uh, a process server. Oh. Now, I've been avoiding him for days. I don't even leave word where I'll be when I go out. You can trust me, Elwood. I'm your best friend. Yes, you are. But not for long. Huh? Just talking to the cat again. Oh. Well, will you be over? Yeah. In about an hour, okay? Yeah, an hour will be fine. There are a few things I have to do for... I've just gotten some new laugh records from the boys at the office. I got something here that'll really kill you. So long, Elwood. So long. I've got something here that'll kill you, too. X minus one will continue in one minute. Each of us has a personal reason for wanting to see cancer conquered. Steve Allen would like to tell you his. I have a wife and three wonderful kids. And when I think about cancer going to strike one American in every four, well, that's more than enough reason for wanting to see it conquered. I know that some people don't even want to think about cancer. But pretending it's not a threat, doing an ostrich routine, isn't going to get us anywhere. We've got to stand up to it and fight. We can fight, each and every one of us. Through the American Cancer Society, we can be part of the battle that someday will beat cancer once and for all. That day will come, but you and I have got to help. How about it? Thank you, Steve Allen. Remember, fight cancer with a checkup and a check. See your doctor once a year for a checkup. It's your best cancer insurance. And to help conquer cancer, send a check to your unit of the American Cancer Society. Make it generous. And now, on with our story. Taking the revolver from his pocket, Elwood laid it on the table in front of him. His face became suffused with hatred at the thought of Magnuson. 
He poked at the gun with a stiff forefinger. Magnuson, you no good, shifty-eyed enemy of all that's decent in the world. The man who ruined my sister Irene. The man who... Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Elwood. You have no sister, remember? No sister. Now, before you go off and commit murder, why not just try that machine just once, huh? Turn it on. Okay, now reach over and... Good afternoon, Elwood. I am your mechanical therapist. You may call me Gloop. Gloop? You seem surprised. It is a perfectly common name here on this planet. Gloop? Of course. I've heard it many times. Now then, I am scanning the material in your pre-conscious with the intent of synthesis, diagnosis, prognosis, and treatment. Yes? I find... Hmm. This is a most unusual case. Really? I thought it was simple homicidal mania. There is, of course, no such thing. You are obviously hallucinating a set of symptoms. Nonsense syllables to enable you to avoid the real problem. Oh? Hmm. A most unusual set of symptoms, I must say. Your pilot light seems to be fading. My light is not fading. I am merely trying to relate your symptoms to proven theory. Well, as long as you know what you're doing. Mechanotherapy is an exact science, Elwood. It admits of no significant errors. We will proceed. Good. First, the word association test. Fire away. I will proceed to give a word. You answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. Ready? Ready. House. Home. Planet. Earth. Hmm. Hmm? Uh, just musing. Now, fleeful. Fleeful? Fleeful. That sounds like a Martian word. Just give me a response. Fleeful, hmm? Okay. I can make them up, too. Marfouche. That's a pretty good one, huh? Made it up in the spur of the moment. Marfouche is very significant. It is a corruption of the Martian concept of fush clib. Very significant. I don't know any Martian words. Aha, noteworthy. We will proceed. Loud. Soft. Green. Mother. Panagoyas. Pathamathunga. <laughs> How's that one? Arities. Nexothesmodrustica. Top that. Cateeth a snow hell gnoptices. Okay. Rigamaroo, Kalamazoo, Iggity Bibbidi Boo. Good. It fits the pattern. Pattern? Your neurosis. I can diagnose it now. Go on. You have a classic case of theme desire, complicated by strong dwarkish intentions. I could have sworn I was homicidal. The term has no reference. It must be rejected as nonsense. Now, if you'll just settle back on the couch, we'll proceed. At precisely this moment, a tall, gnarled, ugly man pushed his way through the doors of home therapy appliances, his clothing unpressed and uncaring hung on him like corrugated iron. When the clerk, Hoskins, approached him, he flipped back his lapel to show a small silver badge underneath. Sir? John Rath, Planetary Motor Security Division. Oh, yes, sir. Mr. Follinsby, Mr. Follinsby. Yes, sir. Hello, Follinsby. Mr. Rath. Uh, well? So far, we haven't a single lead. You certainly never mentioned his name. Oh, yes, sir. Now, think. Is there anything significant? Is it serious, Mr. Rath? Mr. Follinsby, this man is homicidal. Won't it treat him? Homicide is unknown on Mars. It'll treat him for the most likely Martian sickness. What would that be? Theme desire, Mr. Follinsby. Theme desire? It's a Martian illness in which the victim feels cursed by the tree-like nourishing parent. Although, of course, Martians don't have parents in the ordinary sense. Well, Haskins? I, I remember one thing. He mentioned he was a jet bus operator for the New York Jet Bus Authority. Ah. Uh, one other thing. Yes, I believe uh, 
Yes, he was alcoholic. An alcoholic jet bus operator. Excellent. It'll be on his records. Get the jet bus authority at once. Surely, Elwood, you remember your Gorisi. No. Tell me then about your juvenile experiences with the Forestrian fleet. Never had one. Mm, complete blockage. My father... There is no you... such thing, of course. But... I thought we'd finally agreed on that. Okay, if you say so. Now then, since you claim you don't even know what a Gorisi is, tell me what you imagine it to be. Um, a forest fire. Uh, a salt tablet? A small screwdriver? Am I getting warm? A revolver? Uh-uh. What the heck is a Gorisee? Why, the tree that nourished you into puberty. No tree nourished me. You have completely repressed the experience. No tree ever nourished me. Mr. Caswell, let me try to explain your case as best I can. Somewhere in your childhood, your Gorisee, or parent tree, stifled your theme desire. Now, this gave rise to your present urge to dwarf someone in a Flendish manner. To what? To dwarf someone in a Flendish manner. Listen, you crummy piece of hardware. I have never had a Gorisee. I have no desire to dwarf someone in a Flendish manner or any other manner. All I want to do is put a bullet into Herbert Magnuson. Understand? All I want to do is kill Magnuson. Lie down, Mr. Caswell. We'll go over it again. My dear man, I'm not trying to insinuate that the Jet Bus Authority hires alcoholics. If you will just... Uh, Any luck? It's a dead end. Now, Haskins. Yes, sir. A man's life may be at stake here. Now, think. Was there anything else this fellow said to you? Anything? Well, he did mention the name of his friend. Of which friend? The one he was going to kill. The one he... Why didn't you say so? Now, what was it? Uh, uh, Magnuson. You sure? That's it. He said, I'm going to kill Magnuson. You know, just casually like that. Follinsby, see if there's a Magnuson in the Manhattan phone book. Now, hurry it up. Mr. Caswell, you were saying? Well... Something about your Gorisee? Yes, I was saying I... I think perhaps you're right. Naturally. But right about what, Mr. Caswell? Well, I think perhaps... Yes, I think perhaps I do remember my Gorisee. Ah! Now, Mr. Caswell, we're on the road to a cure. <laughs> Mr. Magnuson? Yes? Do you know a short, angry-looking, red-haired man? I might. Oh, thank heaven. Or I might not. Can you tell us where to locate him? You're a process server, huh? Certainly not. Don't kid me. Mr. Magnuson, this man is trying to kill you. Go on. You're full of happy pills. Elwood's my best friend. Elwood? He loves me like a brother. And if you think I'm going to stick some process server on Mr. Magnuson, I'm not a process server. Your friend Elwood is a psychopathic killer. You're his intended victim. Can you get that through your thick skull? I'm trying to save your life. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. You're Elwood Caswell? Yes. The Elwood Caswell who bought a Rex regenerator early this afternoon? Yes. Won't you come in? Thank you. My name is Rath, Planetary Motors. Nice to meet you. Uh, have you uh, used the machine? Oh, yes. I see. Mr. Caswell, I, uh, I don't know how to explain this, but uh, we made a terrible mistake. The regenerator you took was a Martian model for giving therapy to Martians. I know. You do? Yes, it became pretty obvious after a while. Well, it, was a, it was a dangerous situation, especially for a man in your condition. Yes, the poor thing tried its best, but of course it couldn't cure what wasn't there. Well, then the, uh, the company will, of course, reimburse you for your lost time and your... Well, your mental anguish. Naturally. And we will uh, substitute a regular uh, human-type regenerator. Oh, that won't be necessary. You see... Uh, Mr. Caswell, will you put down that gun? I warn you. I'm not going to shoot you. I merely want to turn this gun over to you. You do? Yes, I'm not going to shoot anybody. You mean that... The machine's attempt at therapy forced me to reappraise my whole self. There was an insight during which I was able to get rid of my obsession. You no longer want to kill your friend Magnuson? Kill Magnuson? Why, I haven't the faintest urge. Well, I... I must say, then, it, uh, it worked out for the best. I, uh... I'll get back to the store and have him pick up this machine in an hour, and... Oh, well, sir... Oh, uh, don't forget to take this gun. I... I won't need it. Of course. Uh, well, nice to have met you, sir. Uh, Good evening. Good evening. Did you hear that? He asked me if I still intended to kill Magnuson. Magnuson, that inhuman monster who cut down my Gorosy. Magnuson, the man who even now is secretly planning to infect New York with abhorrent fiend desire. Am I going to kill him? Oh, no. I wish him a long life, a life filled with the torture I can now inflict on him. Kill Magnuson? Oh, no. I'm going to start right now to dwarf him in a vlendish manner. You have just heard X-1 presented by the National Broadcasting Company in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine. Tonight, by transcription, X-1 has brought you Bad Medicine, a story from the pages of Galaxy written by Finn O'Donovan and adapted for radio by George Lefferts. Featured in the cast were Cliff Carpenter, Bill Britton, Alan Manson, Charles Webster, Carl Weber, and Joseph Julian. Norman Rose was heard as the machine. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Bob Maurer and is an NBC Radio Network production. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1956 episode of X-1 entitled Bad Medicine.
hold my hand and understand I need someone when the long day is done to share with me the setting sun everyone else in this wide wide world has someone who cares nobody else in this wide wide world mentions me in their prayers if you were my friend all my sorrows would end I'd never say as I do Y no me importa si tengo ñata, yo 
soy mulata, mulata de verdad. Yo soy mulata, si tengo ñata, si me visto de colores, que si tengo pasadura, no importa, soy mulata. de mí, a la tierra donde nací, ya me voy, ya no hay quien se conduela de mi sufrir, allá sola sabré vivir, sin tu amor, después de partir, ya tú no intentarás, ni recordar que fui, que dirás, sin recuerdo de nuestro amor, porque todo ya terminó, ya me voy. de mí, a la tierra donde nací, ya me voy, ya no hay quien se conduela de mi sufrir, allá sola sabré vivir, sin tu amor, después de partir, ya tú no intentarás, ni recordar que fui, vivirás, sin recuerdo de nuestro amor, porque todo ya terminó, ya me voy. And our bonus set started with I Need a Friend, Tommy Taylor with Mitchell Ayers and his Fashions and Music from 1940, followed by Yo Soy Mulata, Tonya La Negra con Orquesta Rafael de Paz, and we ended with Ya Me Voy, Felita Rey with Francisco and his Cuban Boys from 1945. Thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of Around the World's staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin' Jane. Thank you, and see you next week. <laughs>